Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. We're, it's the morning time. It's weird to talk to each other in the morning time. <laughs> I literally got up like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Same. <laughs> do I do I, I sound okay? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play it fast and loose and I'm okay with that. I woke okay. up 15 minutes ago and Corey shot me a glare that could only mean why aren't you holding me right now? So <laughs> I snuck in a few few minutes of cuddles before uh before we fired up the old podcast. It's been so long. <laughs> I'm in Long Island. I've always been on Long Island. I will never leave Long Island. This is my Truman Show. Are you just visiting Corey's parents? Yeah, yeah. One lives in one part of Long Island and another in another part of Long Island. So we we split up our time a a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Aptly named. We found that out uh, the hard way because we thought we'd be cute. We flew into Boston and we thought we'd get to this the middle-ish part of Long Island um, an unconventional way by taking the ferry from Connecticut to the eastern end of Long Island. And we got to the eastern end of Long Island and realized we had no idea how the fuck to get from there. <laughs> to more populated parts of Long Island. So that was an adventure. Fortunately for us, there was a bus at the ferry terminal uh, that accepted student fare for both of us and took us within Lyft Uber range of where we needed to go. But if that bus hadn't been there, maybe I wouldn't be recording this podcast right now. Anyway, how is your how is your late July been, Sadie? Oh, it's been it's been good. It's been a roller coaster. I Harriet is starting to feel better, but the journey was a nightmare. Um, in order to cleanse myself emotionally, I completely rearranged my room. I got a new comforter and I got new bedding <laughs> to to um, reinvigorate myself. So that I even changed the layout of all of my fairy lights. And um, as we speak, I am I've been alone in the apartment for the past two days because Elliot is in Charleston visiting his brother with his parents. And then Hannah is with her parents um, in St. Louis. And I'm going a little crazy. I was convinced late last night that a murderer was trying to get in. <laughs> um, Harriet the only, protect you. <laughs> the, only, the only evidence I had was there was just a white car parked in the parking lot. And I was like, only a maniac has a white car. And I was keeping an eye on it, peeking out from the blinds. A murderer but I think it was would just at least have the self-respect to use a van, you know? That's true. You never, I never said it wasn't. It, it, it's not. It's like a Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> um, how is young Harriet? She is good. The problem that I'm facing is that she has to have a mostly wet food-based diet. And she would rather die than have a mostly wet food-based diet. She likes her dry, munchy crunchies. So um, it has been a struggle to get her to eat any type of wet food. I've discovered that she really doesn't mind tuna mixed with pumpkin puree. So that's where we're at on our personal journey. Mm, pumpkin puree, a nice way to improve animal stool consistency. 
<laughs> a topic our listeners were definitely hoping we would discuss. Godzilla of the F Boys. Hello, Jen. Welcome to our live slapdash recording session. Jen, we're talking about the various misadventures in our lives that have prevented us from recording for the back half of July. <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Are you okay though? Yeah. So you guys were traveling. Uh, you had some intense travel um, stuff going on even before you landed and you're in Long Island right now? I'm in Long Island, but I what I flew to Boston first because we were seeing an old professor of Corey's in Rhode Island. So I've been on some form of train, uh, ferry or bus for a while and only in the last few days have I gotten to really uh, collect myself. But then I had to spend an entire day in New York City uh, handling my affairs. Oh, you were... I'm a little city. This section of the podcast to be redacted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're already recording. Yeah. <laughs> oh, should I do do our intro? <laughs> um, um, yeah, we can we can introduce the podcast. All right. Hello and welcome to this very special early morning episode of You Should See the Other Guy. Anyhow, all of our lives have been in chaos lately. We apologize for the two week hiatus that we have made you all suffer through our loyal like dozen of fans we will make it up to you anyway today we are all um on a little well sadie is gonna sound good but uh samantha and i apologize if our audio quality is terrible at least we are here and we are going to discuss 13 going on 30. let's talk about 13 going on 30. hello i'm samantha and and sadie's here too and i am jennifer aka Godzilla of the F-Boys, as Jen has <laughs> named herself in this recording session. Yeah, Sadie. Sadie has her own name today, which is also, which is just as iconic as Godzilla of the F-Boys, Sadie Collins. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did we decide on who's summarizing 13 going on 30? Are we just winging I'm it? It's also like enough of a classic. And then uh, I even promised that I would write up like an actual, you know, summary with the extra time, which I have not done. And now my brain is like a piece of half melted cheese. So I, I will can... kick this off. <laughs> I know Sadie will be ready with the details. <laughs> Jen is moving uh, across the country. Everybody be kind. Yes. And Samantha has also just traveled across the country. Fortunately, not to move forever. Wow. Next time we record, I'm going to be in a different time zone, you guys. Oh, wow. that'll be great for us. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no. going to be the, the late one in the day now. Yeah. She's going to well, be the one living in the future. As I was saying on our Discord, central time does not exist. This is my new conspiracy theory. And I said that it is the most real time zone because that is the one that Nickelodeon uses to announce times for their shows. And I'm right. 7-8 Central, baby. <laughs> Man, that also just makes me think I really hope the new Legends of the Hidden Temple they're making for adults is going to be good. Damn, we can't get sidetracked. Jen. That my brother so we can apply to appear on it as the Red Jaguars. Ugh. Okay, okay. 13 going on 30. So it took me a minute to figure out that the beginning of this movie was supposed to be set in the 80s because these kids all look like cute 
like probably like wearing some stuff that like Gen Z would wear today, like the younger Gen Zers. But we have this cute little girl who looks like baby Hillary Swank, but actually turns out to be uh, baby Jennifer Garner. And her name is Jenna. And she has a cute little friend. And uh, what was his name again? Mark Not. Ruffalo. His name is baby Mark Ruffalo. And uh, the mean girl calls him beaver the mean girl looks exactly like baby judy greer judy greer thank you <laughs> it's judy like greer. a mad, mad lib session <laughs> <laughs> my brain was trying to say judy dench and i knew that was <laughs> i would love though if judy dench were the best friend in this movie and if the age gap were never explained like they just grew up <laughs> to be Jennifer Garner and Judy Dench. <laughs> She's wearing the same hair bow and everything. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is like sort of a classic, like the little Jenna girl there at like that awkward, like, you know, middle school age. And uh, she wants to be accepted and liked. And even though she seems perfectly cute and kind and nice, the mean girls are mean to her. They had some great name too, for their little mean girl group. That was something about that referencing that there were six of them oh the, the six chicks the six the chicks. chicks okay that's what they're called so there's a rhyme the six chicks led by baby judy greer not ba baby judy dench unfortunately or full-grown judy dench aka um, tam 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 uh yes they they are mean to her so anyway little jenna's gonna have a 13th birthday party and um she is obsessed with this magazine called poise it is called Poise, right? Oh, and yeah. what a terrible name for a women's <laughs> magazine to share with like a like a, a bladder aid or however you would <laughs> <No>. class incontinence <laughs> products. Yeah. Oh, wow. Was the incontinence product already named that by the time this movie came out? It that seems like it's been, been, right? <laughs> sure. I don't know. In 2008, I was not very familiar with um, incontinence aid products. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying. It's kind of like how diarrhea would be a cute name for <laughs> for someone if if uh the context were different but oh my god also it does roll off the tongue. would be a great name like it sounds pretty you know it sort of rolls off the tongue like it fully has lydia there on the back of it but instead it's the clap that's yeah. syphilis also is just like some great it syllables sounds very in there. Wrinkle. yeah it does like the sibilance of that like is pleasing to the ear this is my favorite story from my alma mater briefly my almost alma mater brigham young university there was a building on brigham young university campus called the smith family living center the acronym was sfls and students <laughs> just called it the syphilis and BYU leadership at some sort of public gathering instructed everyone not to call it the syphilis which only oh, no. resulted in people calling it the syphilis more and eventually it was torn down and replaced with the Joseph F. Smith building an acronym that no one could do anything with. End of story. <laughs> Oh, damn. Take um, it away from you. Sorry, I got distracted. Jen, are you there? Jen has left us, but can disconnect and reconnect at any time because we're using streamless but slapdash recording software today. So little Jennifer Garner is like they, how would you describe it, Sadie? A birthday party or yeah, a sleepover a in a basement? 
birthday party thing um, where she has like punch and like, I don't know, pin the tail on the donkey, whatever kind of like quote unquote lame party stuff that they had in the 80s. That's what she has. Um, She has her boobs stuffed with white tissue paper. Very 80s of her. Um, Go ahead if you want to take over or I can take over. (laughs) Please. This movie (laughs) is a distant memory in my mind. And yet some details are burned into it. We'll have plenty to discuss. I just, I think you'd be better at recounting the flow. So anyway, she um, had earlier agreed with Tam Tam, young Judy Greer, that in order for the six chicks to come to her party, she had to write their paper, like write a paper for for them. I don't know. Um, Like basically do their homework. And so they were like, yeah, sure. Um, So they come and they invite, uh, oh my God, Gary. I think his name is Gary, who is like the quarterback of the football team. She's absolutely in love with him. He's kind of an, you know, he's an asshole too. Um, And before they arrive, it's just uh, Jenna and Matt, Mark, young Mark Ruffalo. And he gifts her a pink dollhouse that he created that has her in it and him in it and like you know like famous musicians that she likes it's just oh sorry oh hello i had taken over <laughs> and you can't get it back just a um, godzilla of the f boys back in in the middle of sadie's summary sorry <laughs> carry on um and it's just a very one of the most thoughtful presents ever caught on cinema in my <gasps> professional opinion it had Rick yeah. Greenfield on her couch. The dollhouse is also serial killer stuff. Let's be honest. If he made that or did he purchase it and accessorize it? I'll accept that one. But if he made it by hand for his 13 year old wannabe girlfriend, um, I fear for his future. his best friend. I do think that he probably had to have purchased the, the bones of the house though an adult helped out with like the bandsaw or whatever he can't be a talented middle school photographer and also a dollhouse craftsman <laughs> he, he flipped it let's Too say yeah. one mark ruffalo <laughs> And so anyway, she's she's very touched by the present. And then he pulls out some like 50 cent magic dust that's just basically like glitter. Um, and he sprinkles it on the dollhouse and kind of like, you know, making your dream come true of like having this this dream house. And um, then she hears Tam Tam and Gary knock on the door and she immediately gets up and like throws the dollhouse into the closet. And um, she's like, Maddie, go go get something, whatever, whatever. And so he leaves to get go to his house, and she invites Tammy and Gary in. And Tammy, honestly, she Tammy's just wants to take the um, paper that Jenna wrote and prank her, and then leave because she's a bitch. And so she blindfolds Jenna and tells her that they're going to play Seven Minutes in Heaven. And she's like, "Ooh, Gary really likes you. Gary wants to go first. And Jenna's like, oh my God. So she goes into the seven, the closet and she's waiting. And Tammy and like, Gary and everybody. Frantically takes out all of the tissue paper that she stuffed into her bra in case Gary tries to cop a feel. Yeah. And then they leave. And on their way out, Tammy runs into Matt. And she's like, oh yeah, um, sh- Jenna's in the closet waiting for you. And so... Matt is like, oh, so he goes and opens the closet and he knows that they're playing seven minutes in heaven, but he thinks that she's waiting for him. And so he like holds her hand and she's like, oh, I've been waiting so long for you. And he's like, oh my God. And then she's like, I love your hands, Gary or something. And he's like, no, it's Matt. And so she like rips off her blindfold. And she's like, Matt, what are you doing here? Where are the six chicks? What did you do? 
you made them leave and like gets really really upset and like slams the door in his face and she sits down in the closet and she's like really upset so she's like banging her um back against the the closet shelves and the glitter from the pink uh dream house kind of floats down and as she's doing that she's chanting this like magazine article title that says 30 flirty and thriving because she just wants to be 30 and like bypass all of this awkwardness um and which i absolutely as a 13 year old did purchase some magical dust similar stuff and i was like i also want to be 30 and it didn't work so um give it time Sadie. it still needs like six more years to fully like finish fermenting Uh, yeah your wish is coming true just in extreme slow motion the dust worked (laughs) you're gonna be 30 the inexorable march of time will make sure of it (laughs) six years oh my god anyway 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 i can't get into an existential crisis this morning um she wakes up and she is now Jennifer Garner. She is 30. She lives in a really nice apartment on the Upper West Side. And she is the editor of Poise magazine. She has a really hot, really stupid hockey boyfriend. And she is, and she's best friends with um, Judy Greer, who is Tam Tam, also grown up and also is an editor at Poise. So they're both editors. like. They keep making comments about how Judy Greer looks so different than she did when she was a kid, but that kid they looks look like identical. baby Judy Greer. Like, yeah, yeah. they probably they just did such a Judy good Greer. job, and then okay. they made it like unbelievable, being like, "You look so different." It's like she looks the damn same. They digitally so. de-aged her using technology from <laughs> Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Scorsese took. The, the the technology from 13 going on 13. <laughs> um, anyway, so she has kind of, she's living her dream life, basically. Um, but then it comes out that she's kind of also a terrible person. Like, to, to get where she is, like, she's just, she's not who she wanted to be at her core. And um, the first thing that she does is she tries to connect with Matt. And um, she finds his address, shows up at his house, and she is kind of under the impression that, like, obviously they would still be best friends. But then he is kind of extremely shocked to see her. And he's like, and this is now Mark Ruffalo, by the way. He is a photographer. Very spacious, cute apartment in Greenwich Village. And um, he's just like, no, we have not spoken since high school you just kind of joined the six chicks and then never spoke to me again after your 13th birthday. And he was um, like weirdly coy about that for a long chunk of the movie. (laughs) Well, I, I I imagine that like, you know, your best friend from high school shows up who kind of very callously threw you aside and then they suddenly come back and they are the person that you were best friends with. Like they're nice again. And they're like, I don't remember what happened. I think I too would be kind of like maybe a little, well, first of all, I would be intensely mad. So I would probably just slam the door in their face, but (laughs) that's just me. Um, But anyway, she kind of slowly starts to hang out with him more. And let's see, there's like a very iconic scene where she is at a work party for Poise. Sorry. And it comes out that- For Pose, for the FX ballroom series Pose. (laughs) 
Um, imagine if they did, did they do a like thriller <laughs> thing? Then they should. Um, but she does like a very iconic thriller dance flash mob party thing that's very fun. Um, and it comes out that Poise is kind of falling majorly in sales because someone over at their competitor magazine, Sparkle, has been um, sniping their ideas like a month ahead. So like they will have the same cover people the same type of stories but like a month ahead of of poise um which i think is wild that you would have celebrities willing to basically do the same article and like the same type of photo shoot <laughs> like twice in a month um it seems like bad celebrity works. management like your your team is not doing what they're supposed to also her boss, Jennifer Garner's boss at Poise is Gollum. <laughs> yes. Uh, Caesar from Planet of the Apes. Andy Serkis. An all-around iconic individual. Um, yeah, it took me a minute to figure out where I knew him from because I was like, he's so familiar, but he's like presumably in his regular human form and not in like a CG costume in this one. So good yeah, work. He's de-anamorphed himself into a British man. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, Jenna, she slowly starts to kind of turn her life around. So she, well, first of all, she has a mental breakdown about how terrible she's been. And she um, takes the train back out to her parents' house, where I imagine they live in like Connecticut or something. And she spins a few days or a weekend with her parents and that kind of grounds her and um, she comes back and she's going to kind of right all of those wrongs. So like she was cheating on, um, she was cheating with a married guy at her work and like just like was like firing people willy-nilly and was just kind of a general not great person and so um her boss pitches i'm like doing all this off the fly i'm trying to remember things that are like important and what's not important i mean because i just love this movie well, so I much think i feel like every detail that, um, is important. maddie is engaged to another woman yes i was just gonna get to that that he she sees him like walking down the street and with like this random woman i think her name is maggie and or Wendy, oh, Maddie and Maggie. Oh, okay, that's better. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Wendy. I think it's Wendy. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, yeah, this is my fiance." But like, the, she lives in Chicago, and I guess she just like flies there often, which is really wild to me. That I don't know, I because it's it's kind of implied that she's like been in Chicago for a really long time so I'm shocked that they made it this long because obviously he's kind of super not into the idea of moving to Chicago but um yeah he anyway. give up that apartment. <laughs> yeah Mark Ruffalo in the um alternate universe Jennifer Garner's 30 year old future is a bad boyfriend slash fiance. <laughs> well, I think also the film just needs a narrative reason why Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo can hang out all the time without it being weird for uh, for Wendy, you know? So um, uh, make her live in Canada. I still think yeah. that, yeah, that would be weird for her. Also, Jennifer Garner's poor dumb hockey boyfriend really gets some short shrift. <laughs> He's yeah. not highly Potential regarded. other by guy material. Yeah. I mean, his, his only fault is that his girlfriend suddenly turned 13 <laughs> yeah. and, and no longer. And so I think that the movie does do a good job. 
this movie succeeds where big with Tom Hanks failed <laughs> in that <laughs> it, 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 it never makes it super weird. Like there is one kiss between Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo, but it's mostly because he's Matt and not so much that she is a 13 year old who is now attracted to like 30 year old, um, which I appreciated. And I, I am thinking once again of Tom Hanks's big where I think like a 10 year old has sex with an adult woman. Oh and no. Tom body which oh, is no. cool. um, <laughs> yeah so this movie does that surprisingly very well um anyway jenna she decides that um for the company's big like rebrand event where they basically they have to like redesign or they're going to be shut down and so everyone is kind of coming up with their own idea all the editors so tam tam she comes in with like um this like heroin chic i don't even know kind of attitude um she's <laughs> like it's gonna be fashion suicide and we're gonna have all of these really grungy models that have very unrealistic body expectations and whatever like it's just it's bad meanwhile jenna has been working with mark ruffalo to create something that i also equally don't understand <laughs> but I like I understand the core of what she's trying to say and I agree with it where she's basically like I want to see people on the magazine that look like me that look like my best friend's sister etc etc um, but it just looks like a bunch of yearbook photos so I don't or like very high school which I don't know if that's like entirely the I, like are they just going to get rid of celebrities entirely that just seems kind of intense <laughs> but anyway um, it's a great success um, the editor really really likes it but then she goes off to tell Mark Ruffalo the news and Wendy opens the door and she's like, oh yeah, like we're getting married tomorrow. And Jenna just somehow had like forgotten or maybe she just thought that Wendy was just like gone. I don't know. She's 13. <laughs> she doesn't know what's happening. And so um, meanwhile, Tammy, aka Judy Greer, um, she discovers that Jenna, old Jenna, was the one who had been um selling out poise for sparkle so jenna had been the one that was secretly sending the information to sparkle so that sparkle would guarantee her an editor-in-chief position um for like something i don't know i i can't remember and so judy greer she's like well fuck you i'm gonna do that so she sells out the idea from jenna she sells out jenna's idea to sparkle so at this point right mark ruffle is getting married tomorrow Tammy is a bitch and also Poise is definitely going under. So Jenna and, and it's kind of a making of her own design since she was the one who was initially selling out Spark or selling out Poise in the first place. So um, with her last remaining scrap of dignity, she goes to Connecticut where Mark Ruffalo and Wendy are getting married. They're getting married um, in his parents' backyard and they were next door neighbors growing up. So she's going back to the old stomping grounds where it all began. And on the taxi ride there, um, the taxi driver was a Gary, the hot quarterback who is now um, very not hot. Is he like a famous actor, the old Gary? I don't think he is, but um, no. It was kind of, it was one of those interesting scenes where it was definitely that he was coded, that he, we were supposed to perceive him as very not hot, but he actually was quite an attractive man. And um, he drives his, a taxi, which I guess his this movie... actions are a little, yeah. hot, but you know, whatever. Yeah. again, this can be said of many people in this film. But moving on, yeah. 
so she gets to the wedding in Connecticut and she gets um, the old doll or no, no, no. So she goes into the, into the house and she goes up and she finds Matt. He's alone in his like childhood bedroom, whatever. Um, and she goes in and he's like, Jenna, like, what are you doing here? And she's like, Maddie, I love you. Be with me. And he's basically like, um, I love you, but no, <laughs> like it's, too, he's basically <laughs> like, it's too late. Which I don't really understand that. Like, I, I, I kind of get it because you do think that you were really, really in love with this person, Wendy. And then suddenly this girl that you had an attraction to like a long time ago comes back. And then you start spending a lot of time with her for like work and other things. And then you're like, hmm. But, and then you're like, well, is she just going to leave again? So like, I guess I understand where he's coming from but I personally would just I mean just break it off with like obviously you're not as in love with Wendy as you thought you were but anyway his whole stick is like I have while Wendy is wearing a wedding dress downstairs yeah. the families are gathered the cake is set out Sadie is gonna walk because her 13 year old crush turned up okay we just want that on record <laughs> yeah um well I mean a 13 year old crush or someone that you like literally made out with in a park and are like obsessed with and you think of them every moment of every day i'm just saying that is a bad you are with, for your you end up with when whether or not you end up with jenna or not i definitely feel like wendy is maybe not the person that you um were into and i can see it being different than like like if you're married to someone for like 10 years and that happens then like yeah just like stick with it but like you don't have to get married like <laughs> you can just yeah. like <laughs> I would have put a pause on things pretty instantly. But anyway. Yeah. Um, I feel like Wendy... he should have put the pause before he agreed to suddenly get married in his parents' backyard, like bumping up yeah. the timeline. You know, like, yeah. it's a little roll there, man. But anyway. Um, so he's like, Wendy is downstairs with her family. Um, I just, we just can't do this. And so before she leaves, he gets out the pink dollhouse that now she that had, like, thrown at him. The serial killer part comes in. He kept the pink dollhouse all that time. Okay, yeah, well, he had to move. You say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. He did. It was left in his like oh, childhood. Okay. Bag. I mean, I could see that happening. Um, it was pretty dust free. Let's just note. So. <laughs> implies he was regularly revisiting it okay you haters anyway he gets it out of his closet and he gives it to her and they say romantic things she's like crying and then she leaves so she goes outside and she sits down on the front porch like away from everyone else and she is like crying over the um, dollhouse because it's too late whatever but then the wind blows and a little bit of the sparkle dust gets on her then the next thing you know she wakes up and she's back in her 13 year old body she's in the closet it's her 13th birthday whatever and this is just at the moment when Matt is coming down the stairs and Tam Tam's like oh Jenna's in the closet waiting for you and so he walks up and he opens the door and immediately she's like, Matt! And she jumps out and kisses him. And he is, this is the most shocking day of his life, of his young little life. And she gets him up and then as she's going up the stairs, she rips the paper out of Tam Tam's hand and she's like, fuck you, bitch. And like throws punch on her um, and then goes up the stairs. And then the next thing you know, it flashes forward. I can't do math. 17 years. Um, it flashes forward 17 <laughs> years and Who's she's walking out of the house with Matt and they have gotten married um, and then the final shot it shows them moving into a pink house like a house that looks just like her um, her dream dollhouse as a kid 
And then they split some razzles over a couch um, that they're moving into in the front yard. And uh, that's the end of the movie. Sadie, did you know in an alternate ending that they filmed for this movie, when she goes on the porch with the dollhouse, she actually wakes up 30 years later. She's 60 years old. And Judy Greer and Sparkle are like a mega corporation that have taken over the world and turned it into a post-apocalyptic hellscape. (laughs) And she and old Mark (laughs) Ruffalo have to fall in love all over again while evading the Sparkle Bots. You are a liar (laughs) but that would be amazing (laughs) i do not even entertain the thought how (laughs) dare you (laughs) that would be very fun anyway what did what did you both think of this movie have you seen it before you want to go first samantha or me okay sure i had i had seen it before maybe in college weirdly enough for the first time um and again for the second time now it's like a body swap movie but not really a body swap movie i guess big is the most direct comparison but um like many of these movies you just have to kind of like throw you just have to suspend your disbelief to an extreme degree um because if she were actually 13 and woke up in a 30 year old body she would like half the movie would be a psychotic break (laughs) um (laughs) but uh when you when you let go of it um I think it's a fun, fanciful ride with some iconic rom-com scenes. It doesn't exactly land as one of my favorites of these like conventional rom-coms of the era, but like I had a pleasant enough time with it and it gave me enough Judy Greer to sustain me um, in moments where it was starting to lose me. More Judy Greer in everything all the time. I really liked Andy Serkis being in it too. Yeah. Okay, so this was my first time seeing it. And I think I said 2008 a few minutes ago, but I think actually this movie came out in 2004. Yes, it did. Now that I'm checking. Okay, so when this came out, depending on what time of year it came out, I was either 19 or 20 and I could not have given less of a fuck at the time. So I did not see it, even though I was aware of its position in pop culture, you know? So this was a really interesting watch now having somewhat more of a rom-com um, education at this point after recording this podcast for you know like a year and some change than I did previously and there were a lot of things that got on my nerves that you know that are just um, rom-com logic stuff you mm-hmm. know where things don't work that I wanted to you know and then I feel like at previous points in my life I might have disliked this immensely but given where we are now and the amount of actual bad rom-coms and actual good rom-coms I have now seen, (laughs) I found that the performances were really charming. Like even in the face of, you know, just the absolute wildly unrealistic nature of everything, Jennifer Garner sells the weird, like bubbly 13 year old in a 30 year old body like naivete. And Judy Greer was great. And Andy Serkis was great. And Mark Ruffalo is really appealing, even though 
if you know you take a step back and like look at how he's behaving with his fiance and in this weird scenario it is not necessarily the greatest and I was all ready to complain about it when we were the the first night that we were going to record when I was actually packing because I think it irritated me a little bit seeing their little idyllic oh we're moving and like you know they're sitting there eating razzles instead of fucking doing anything but the the little ending and also it's a terrible idea like most people should not marry their 13 year old crush even if they are best friends then like i don't know that i would recommend that but the pink house and the way the music played and like the friendly sweet chemistry between jennifer garner and mark ruffalo i think that i texted you guys and said the ending was way more charming than it had any right to be and i think that i will extend that to the entire movie it was way more charming than it had any right to be yeah jen i I agree with you that it's like, like, I feel like we took for granted these movies as they were coming out. And now that all these terrible movies have come out, I look back on like, sort of peak rom-com era rom-coms being like, we didn't know how good we had it. Like, like they had charming performances (laughs) and like the ugly truth had not hit us yet then. Yeah. Like, anyway. Like the literally early 2000s were kind of the last era, I feel, of like good rom-coms. Like 2004, I feel like was really the end of it. And there are some exceptions, like 27 Dresses, but all in all, the mid-2000s, despicable, horrendous. We are having, though, in the like late 20-teens, 2020s, a renaissance now. Like it's, yeah. I think things are improving, but things got so bad at the end of the Audis that we had to take like a decade off from rom-coms entirely to reset. <laughs> yeah. And then when we did do rom-coms in that time period, it was always like, well, we can't have like happy people and they have to be like, it, it have, I guess it can be funny, but it also has to be immensely sad. <laughs> and it yeah. has to be very like tongue in cheek. This is not your mom's rom-com, you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like when we did the Family Stone, like that was one of that era, right? Yeah, I would say, and I do think the Family Stone is very good. Um, and yeah, but it's it, like everybody's got to be like yes. flawed and weird and have and start dating their brother's fiance and the mom has to die tragically, you know? It's messy. It's messy. Yeah. Um, let's see. Like this one, 13 going on 30 is squarely aimed at 13 year olds. And it is very successful. Like it perfectly plays to its audience. Oh, yeah. I love this. Okay, so um, (laughs) at least every at least once a year. My mom and I would, this has been happening since I was a baby. We would drive down to a campground in the Florida Keys and just camp in a little tent for two weeks. It is unbearably hot. Thank you for asking. Which Keys? Be Honda. Oh, all right. I, like I right used by to live in South Florida and I I love those kind of middle keys like Marathon, Ila Marata. Um, I love Marathon. It's so fun. I there's a great turtle there. hospital in Marathon. Have you been to that? I ha- I'm looking at my baseball hat of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, I mean, this is a magical place that I regret not taking you in South Florida. It's Damn. where they they rehabilitate sea turtles. I would love that. I am grateful that I did get to visit the little bird sanctuary on Ila Mirada where we met an owl named Professor Moody that Corey 
was also inspired to write a song about, much as she has written a song about Sadie's mushroom well. A one-eyed owl. And my, I, we actually forced my brother to put that to music. Maybe I'll drop that in here so you can hear the Professor Moody anthem. Anyway, Sadie, you were in the middle of a childhood story, and I got excited about us having shared Florida Keys uh, memories. I, me too. I, I, anyway, anyway, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. But um, on the drive down, I had this little. It was like a. It was a portable TV, and it just had like a. The, it was, oh my god, the screen was maybe the size of a Nintendo DS, but the body of it was like the size of a gigantic 50 pound backpack. <laughs> and it just had one VHS player that you had to load in the VHS top down. And I would only bring like two movies, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, <laughs> and 13 Going on 30. <laughs> and then I would just play both of them on repeat the entire drive down. And, and I- your mother is a saint. <laughs> She loved it. She loved 13 going on 30. And I also at this time was weirdly into how to lose a guy in 10 days, even though I do hate Matthew McConaughey. But anyway, because Kate um, Hudson is so charming. Yeah, it's it's hard to resist her. I feel like it is Matthew McConaughey's only good movie, probably, unless I'm forgetting something else. <laughs> I, don't, I, I mean, well, Magic Mike, but that doesn't count. Oh, yeah. No, Definitely yeah. Serenity with Anne Hathaway is the no. best Matthew McConaughey <laughs> movie. No. <laughs> um, and I, I love this movie for several reasons. I think it does, it does the body swap trope really well. I don't love the body swap trope with like, you know, old, like younger person gets into their older version body because the logistics of it are kind of inherently problematic. But I think this one does it really well. And also I really love that they take the time to have scenes where she is coming to terms with herself so it's not in any way about the romance like I think I'm thinking specifically of her trip to her parents house where Vienna by Billy Joel is playing which by the way I in high school used to listen to Vienna by Billy Joel on my iPad on my iPod every morning on the bus ride to school and I think that fundamentally changed me as a person <laughs> um, I was like, I, I, I listen just to keep me humble. But um, anyway, I love, I love that whole scene, the whole, dr- the whole drive there, and then you know, seeing her parents and kind of grounding herself, and then she comes back and like is gonna make make things right. Um, and I also love Judy Greer and her role in this movie because she hasn't really had the opportunity to be like a villain, and I think that she's a really good bitchy villain in this movie like she's very smarmy and two-faced and it's very interesting because the reason why they were such good friends is because Jennifer Garner was just like her for a really long time and so they worked as like best friends this whole time like they you know obviously I can tell that like maybe in like journalism school or whatever they were backstabbing bitches 24-7 doing whatever they Mm. needed to and that's why they both landed editor positions at the same magazine 
So I think that they had a really good relationship up until Jenna kind of changed gears and started to grow a conscience. And then Tammy was like, well, I'm going to stab you in the back too, because you're no longer like me. Um, that's yeah I think that's why it's such a the romance is honestly kind of like a secondary concern in the movie you know I mean that's sort of the driving plot thing but it really is a movie for like 13 year olds it's all about the beginning when little Jenna says like I don't want to be cool or whatever I don't want to be a good person I want to be popular and then so she gets sort of ghost of Christmas futured into this reality where she has figured out how to do that by the rules that Tam Tam and the six chicks play by you know and and she has mastered that but then she finds that that is not really fulfilling and not what she wants for herself yeah and that's why Judy Greer grown-up Tam Tam is the villain because she's still just operating on that exact same wavelength and I mean (laughs) I mean she's justified in her own you know worldview and her own actions because shitty Jenna was doing even worse you know and had set all of this up there so it's sort of a yeah it kind of it was a little bit more um a Christmas carol to me than a big of a movie (laughs) You know? <laughs> yeah, I think Christmas Carol is a much more apt version of it because like she is so excited that she gets the opportunity to kind of come back and do her life right this time because she just made so many mistakes and like made so many terrible decisions and hurt people. Um, So I think ah, I just I, I love this movie because of that. And I also think it's very funny. And it just has so many iconic scenes and like the scene with the razzles and the scene where her hockey boyfriend is trying to give her a striptease. Um, that was okay. When, when we get into other guys here in a minute, oh my God, I'm coming straight for that. I got to say the thriller scene really rings true because even if it's not necessarily thriller, that just is true at terrible parties. If, Somebody gets out on the floor and enthusiastically is willing to make a fool of themselves dancing than anybody else who has wanted to dance but doesn't dance because the party is boring and terrible will join you. My question is, what did they do after Thriller ended? Like, was right. Thriller again. over then? Cue it up again. They probably put on. <laughs> they probably put on Little John and the East Side Boys or something, uh, given the time period. <laughs> Yeah, I'm out there. <laughs> I they, so first of all, before we get into, oh, were you gonna say something? I was say? saying they put on Lee Greenwood's "Proud to Be an American" because it's oh 2004, <laughs> <laughs> and they sway to it. The means that you cannot help but turn this into a horror movie. <laughs> I was going to say, before we get into actual other guy situations, can I propose that I think that Jenna and Tam Tam definitely had 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 a friends with benefits thing going on in the before times. I think that it had long since ended by the time that new Jenna came in. But I think that they definitely were in it. I don't know if they were just doing threesomes together a lot in college or if they were doing like a, you know, I'm frustrated from work and being a bitch. Let's just like fuck and like whatever. I I believe that in the core of my soul. I definitely see that they were like um, doing the 
um, making out at bars to look cool to dudes. But I do yeah. feel that Jenna was a little too tragically straight and that that is part of Tam Tam's problem because she has this twisted and warped, jealous lust for her that can never mm. be fully, um, you know, <laughs> expressed or satisfied. <laughs> Interesting. And instead, Jenna has a hockey boyfriend who calls her Sweet Bottom as a term of endearment, which is Horrifying. also good <laughs> He looks just like Prince Charming from Shrek 2. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> Some more Shrek for you, Samantha. <laughs> I protest. You can't deny it. You can't. <laughs> that's why Samantha is not into this season of The Bachelor. Because the clear front runner looks like human, human Shrek. Yes. <laughs> oh. uh. So, Samantha, what is your other guy choice? Um, I'm going to go with Judy Greer again. Did I propose Judy Greer in a recent episode? Probably. Any movie where Judy Greer is the best friend, I'm going to say, fuck morality, go be a bad person, <laughs> abscond to Sparkle with Judy Greer and help her run her Sparkle Megacorp. Um, and your first target for assassination should be Mark Ruffalo. Okay. You're not, even, you're not even gonna try with the hockey sweet bottom prince charming i'll come like... in for him he um sweet bottom that's terrible obviously uh she needs to fix that i don't know why that was ever going on with this clearly bitch of a woman in the first place but i was completely sold on it when he did that strip tease to the vanilla ice song <laughs> like honestly you know she has the mind of a 13-year-old, so she is not ready for this. Maybe so... the hockey guy is a 16-year-old trapped in a New York Islander's body. I mean, the, okay. his, his striptease skills would strongly suggest that. And also his reaction to people wanting an autograph for him or recognizing him in public. Hear me out, part two. Degree. <laughs> what about Wendy and Judy Greer? <laughs> oh, I like that. They're both career women. They're both very intense in, in their careers. I, I feel like it could work. Judy Greer would not whiffle waffle on Wendy like Mark yes. Rumpley Ruffalo with his strangely enormous high ceiling department. And I feel like Wendy is probably a good person. But I think that Judy Greer would find that endearing. Like, oh, you little naive summer sausage. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and I don't think that she would be bothered by it. It would be kind of a... Summer sausage is just now fully hitting me, Sadie. <laughs> You're not going to get in between Jennifer Garner and Judy Greer for me in this movie, Sadie. The problem wasn't that she didn't learn her moral lesson. It's that she didn't ignore it twice, you know? Like the third time's a charm. She should have just doubled down <laughs> at age 30 on I want to be popular, not nice. And that would have led her to her true full sapphic potential with Judy Greer. Damn, because I mean, they could have been really popular, like going into late oddies as like the hot lesbian power couple of magazine publishing in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they can merge poise and sparkle. Like uh, Jenna can stay at poise and um, Judy Greer can go to sparkle and they can both rise to the uh, executive editor level or something and then merge the magazines. Damn. And their wedding can be at the merger party. Because of course it would be. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ugh, but Jennifer Garner is poor casting for that, I feel. Judy Greer is amazing, but okay, so Jennifer Garner, I was never really super aware. I mean, you know, like I knew, because okay, so she got her big break and rose up on Alias, right? Which I did not watch much of, but I was obsessed with all those promotional images of her in the pink wig. And so she was sort of this like action spy chick, but she has this like super earnest quality to her, you know? Like, she and does. so maybe that was kind of the thing while she was in the spy movie. I also have seen her in that absolutely tragic Ben Affleck Daredevil movie where she was Electra. Oh, uh, because the, the cruise that I went on in dating at the time, that? that's how they met and oh. um, got together afterwards. I do believe she was married. She was married to one of the guys from she was with on Alias, Michael Vartan, but apparently she met Batfleck. And um <laughs> and ditched. <laughs> Samantha's so, favorite favorite Batman, Ben Affleck with his Pepto Bismol Batfleck. Batman. Batman just holding a beverage carrier full of, of Duncan iced coffees. Um and and now Jennifer Garner is like exclusively in Capital One ads. Have have you seen her yeah. in a movie? Yeah. She leaned fully and in. And she makes bagels like, on Instagram live. Like cookie baking. Me. Yeah. Like like her her 13 going on 30 kind of like that apparently like is her lane. Like she really likes doing wholesomeness. And here we are today. And what could be more wholesome than Capital One? Capital <laughs> One. What's in your wallet? Um <laughs> Did either of you see when Capital One started being like, banking is too impersonal. That's why we opened like coffee shops in our bank lobbies. So now in like every major American city, there's a thing called the Capital One Cafe. That's just like a minimalist Starbucks inside a Capital One location with enough square footage to have one. It's really grim. Yeah. I, well, thankfully, uh, I'm my my city is not big enough for that, and I'm grateful. <laughs> I bank with my credit union because I'm I'm trying to support local business. Uh, you know, I am still so jealous that Sadie City is big enough to get Orville Peck to come there and sell you twenty five dollar tickets to his show two oh nights ago. Oh, it was so. It was so nice. And when I tell you, there were maybe three straight people there in the entire <laughs> in the entire place. The best kind there of gathering. There were at least eight drag queens that I saw and and met and brushed up against, but I'm sure that there were many others scattered throughout and there were at least 30 mullets that oh. I was that I was seeing <laughs> and uncountable cowboy hats. It was so much yeah. fun. Oh, here is my um, opportunity to brag on my husband, who also regrets his own tragic straightness. Sorry, um, other people who could be with him if I hadn't snagged him first. Um, and, you know, also if he was queer. But he dressed up as Orville Peck for Halloween in 2019. And Orville Peck himself complimented his costume on my Instagram. And that oh, is wow. my what did he exciting say? celebrity encounter of all time. He said, quote, dang, it me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did um faithfully recreate most of his tattoos with a sharpie so oh wow I don't <laughs> 
How long did that take to wash off? Well, Justin's skin weirdly has like Sharpie rejecting properties. This is like a long-standing thing <laughs> since he was a youth and his he and his siblings would try to draw on each other while they were sleeping. I don't know. It washes off really fast off of him, whereas it would stay on my skin for like a week. He's like a so, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Are you married to Wolverine? <laughs> uh, maybe I was convinced that he was a werewolf for a period of like three years because like even after we had moved in together he always mysteriously had some engagement or something he had to go like camping with the dudes of the lake on the night of the full moon and I was like it was like long enough that I was starting to get suspicious mm, yeah you could be in a ginger snaps situation without without even knowing it I might be yeah it's hard to say <laughs> there's a horror movie we need to do on the podcast Sadie I, I think ginger snaps would be a good gateway drug for you I do enjoy that movie I have seen oh, it before you do it's pretty great. Yeah. Jen, you need to be converted to the Ginger Snaps clan. The Ginger Snaps I'm gang. I'm ready. Speaking <laughs> of feminist and or sapphic horror, have either of you watched the Fear Street trilogy? I no. watched the first two and I interviewed the writer-director for Them.Us, Condi Nast's digital LGBTQ magazine. Damn, I missed that. Yeah, was... I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> I will say I did watch the first one and I was going in expecting kind of the Fear Street of my youth in that kind of scary scarier than goosebumps but not super scary and boy let me tell you um i couldn't sleep <laughs> so i will not be watching the the final two but i appreciate what they're doing for the slasher the slasher genre <laughs> yeah they put someone through like a bread slicer in the first yes, one they did. or something yeah oh, pretty yes, they did. i almost broke down <laughs> in tears <laughs> Because that's my fear. Whenever I see a bread slicer, I'm like, Ew. oh god! <laughs> I just, I just immediately imagine myself getting passed through it like a little bagel, and I hate it. I that interview experience was uh, very. Uh, uh, embarrassing for me because uh, Corey and I live in a small apartment so we'll take turns taking video calls in the bathroom if we have work calls at the same time so I was on my bathroom floor and um, the writer director of Fear Street were in some like ornate pristine Los Angeles like <laughs> mansion and I'm like hi it was a junket scenario so I had like you know, five minutes to ask questions before some publicist was like, goodbye. Um, so it was just me on my bathroom floor, like racing to get out questions while they sit in there. <laughs> their estate the glamorous um, life of a Condé Nast writer <laughs> yeah it's not like they show it in the rom-coms working for a global media <laughs> conglomerate let me tell you uh, you know what I saw in theaters old <gasps> oh my god the one about the beach that makes you old uh-huh the old beach <laughs> That makes the old, old beach. I wonder if anyone else is actually going to see it, or if we'll just like make memes about it until it's out of theaters. I was on seeing it with Elliot once he gets back from his vacay in Charleston. I feel like I, I'm going to just experience it through the memes, like I did with Bird Box. I think it's the most sheerly entertaining M Night Shyamalan film since The Sixth Sense, probably. 
I it, it was was it bad in the way all of his movies are bad? Yes. Was it fun? Yeah, I enjoyed myself. The dialogue, just like my big complaint with him, is that he insists on writing his own films. Like I think he has cool ideas <laughs> and he's a great visual director, but then he just like will not let anyone take over the reins on dialogue, and it's very frustrating to me. You can kind of tell when people who have like <clears throat> too much success with their own weird visions, like who they don't know how to talk like a normal person or how normal people talk, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's this thing in old where like, I won't spoil it, Sadie, but um, you know, everyone, we, we know no, no, everyone's occupations. <laughs> so we know like this guy's a nurse, this, this woman works in a museum. Uh, this guy is a psychotherapist or whatever, or a surgeon or something. Right. So like, you know, everyone's occupations and instead of the movie, just trusting you to know that each character is probably responding to things based on their background, they all have to announce out loud how their <laughs> occupation patient lets them know something so like a character I, this is in the trailer but a character at one point is like pregnant um and the nurse character can't just be like she looks six months pregnant he has to be like if she walked into my emergency room i would say she's six months pregnant <laughs> oh and it repeats at least seven times throughout the movie of a character <laughs> stating like their occupation and then making some kind of like pronouncement of what's happening. It's pretty. Oh my God. It always gets me with like, a, it, when things like that happen in movies, it always makes me wonder about like my, my own like chaotic, like quote unquote career history and like how in the world I would identify myself on the fly. Like, <laughs> What would you do? What would I say? As an editor of a medical journal, I would say. <laughs> there you go. That's a, that's perfect. That uh that that covers it. <laughs> I would say she's six months pregnant. <laughs> As a rom-com podcaster, I would say that she's six months pregnant. <laughs> it's my extensive experience as a freelance writer of library books for a library publishing company. I would say. <laughs> and one one more tiny, mini, minuscule movie review um, before we most likely rate, unless we have anything else to say. I had the pleasure of rewatching the 2000 movie Cars recently and that movie is so good. I forgot <laughs> how good it is. I cried. You know, we should probably do Cars at some point, right? Because I've never seen Cars, but these Cars fuck, right? They have romantic relationships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does that <laughs> How does that work? Just like ask, geo spatially. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Okay, they have Christmas in cars, which implies car Jesus. And they also have car TSA, which does imply cars 911. And also they have roads, but who built the road? And also cars. if cars cannot go off road, which it's unclear if they can or not, then why is most of most of the world not pavement? Like there's just huge swaths of like farmland. <laughs> and I'm like, farmland for what? Farmland why? Yeah, what do the cars need to, to eat? Or like what kind of 
from. Wait, there are no humans in the Cars universe? I haven't seen any of them. What? You've both never seen Cars? Yeah. No, we've just Car. And wow. there, are cow- there are car cows, but the car cows are just tractors. Whoa. Okay, I so find this more troubling now than the boss In baby. the Cars universe, but not... Yeah, okay. And there wow. also are little tiny car flies. Little teeny tiny. <laughs> they're like little flies, but they're like the size of your thumb. <laughs> you also are making this sound like a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did and we also, lose Jen again? What? Oh, can you hear oh, me? Oh, no. We're all still here. Sorry, okay. my internet buzzed uh, out. Let's rate so Staying we can be sure to get this in the, the can. Time. All right. Well, I will just go ahead and rate it five out of five because I love this movie despite some of the flaws that it may contain. Um, I think it's perfect and I love it and I love the ending and I think that Mark Ruffalo is such a good rom-com lead in this movie. He is very unassuming, but also he really just has a good way of gazing at, at his opposites. Um, and I think that he's one of the greatest rom-com leads. So I love him in this movie. And I love this movie for, for Jennifer, or not for Jennifer Greer, for Judy Greer. Um, because <laughs> there have been love... daughter's name together um, <laughs> with a name taken from each of them, Jennifer Greer. <laughs> or if they fuse together in my dystopian future into like one mm. me- mega lesbian. Okay, go on. Take the torch. I'll give it three and a half dollhouses. I'll take the dollhouse. I'll saw it right in half. And oh, I uh, yeah. have a fun little rainy. I was so excited to talk about to talk about it. <laughs> you oh, can I'm retroactively add an object and add five raffles out of five. Thank you. Nice, beautiful. Yeah, this is this to me solid mainstream rom com. Did not regret. Had an enjoyable time. Yeah, I kind of, just for the purposes of rating this, I sort of wish that I had hated it so I could say that I give it a 13 out of 30. (laughs) 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 But but I give it, mm, I'll give it five out of six sixers, six chicks. Um, I enjoyed it. (laughs) I think it was a great and wonderful um, rom-com, excellent movie for young teenagers that then, of course, does set you up for problems that you have to encounter the disappointment like three years later of coming to terms with that being a nice person when you're 13 is not necessarily going to land you a happily ever after lifelong forever love with your 13 year old crush. And so somebody's parent is going to have to explain that. But yeah, it was enjoyable. The thriller dance, pretty iconic. The part where, oh, where they're doing love is a battlefield uh, with where, you know, 30 year old body Jennifer Garner is partying with all the other 13 year old girls and they're all singing into hairbrushes. And that was amazing. And Mark Ruffalo somehow miraculously managed to not come off like a creep in spite of doing several very weird choices in this movie and kissing canonically a 13 year old. Well done, Mark Ruffalo. Five of six, four of five. I liked it, you know? I wish he had never been the Hulk. Uh, uh, Jen, <laughs> quickly, what what should people... I, I can't even th- come up with the verb. What should people do to our podcast? People should give us a 
five of five stars if you're listening to us on a place where you can rate our podcast. Um, you know, and if you can't, if you listen to it on Spotify or whatever, just listen to it. Just like leave it playing for your cat when you go out somewhere. And then we'll be so excited because we'll think that like more people are listening to our podcast. It'll be great. If you want to talk to us, you can contact us on y- uh, Twitter at YSSTOG, which is where we are most active. You may also email us more long form communication, which be warned, we do not check very often. So do not be surprised if you do not receive an immediate response. But we are always thrilled when we discover we have an email. So you can write to us at YSSTOG podcast at gmail.com. And most importantly, if you want to help us continue to stream all of these movies and but we've even ventured into TV shows lately, um, you know, without having to get all illegal about it. You can sponsor us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash YSSTOG. And we have a cute little ranked system with different rewards. If you come in at the, the cheapest level, you can talk to us on our Discord server where we just like to talk about stuff like this, like all the time. And you can get cute little playlist made monthly by Sadie and if you go in at the Nora tier you can even help choose a movie that we will watch I believe we have a point break coming up soon on the horizon due to uh, a Nora request so we love you come talk to us online rate us highly if you are a raider of things and if you don't like us then maybe just go away and and be untroubled by our existence and we won't bother you Sadie would you like to say hello to our patrons (laughs) how how do I read my patrons if I have the note where their names are housed on my phone and I'm currently using my phone to record. I will copy and paste you saying their names from a different episode. (laughs) That is our answer. Because when my mom called, so when I answered a voice call, it took me out of the recording thing. But if you do not X out the little leave recording button and you just uh-huh. hit the little button that takes you to another app, it will keep going. Oh, I'm anymore. terrified. I'm I terrified of that. I'm hitting the button. <laughs> this is going into my iPad now. Logan, Logan Mannies, Andrew, Althea, Xenalon, Sharon, Justin, Evan, and Liz. We love you all so very much. Thank you.